You're listening to I See What You're Saying, a podcast by Guide Dogs. This episode is presented by Alex Jones. Listening distance, remember? I need to be able to hear where you are, okay? Straight on. Kick you. You know, walk properly, guys, because you'll fall over. Have you got anything for me? No, because it's too wet. You can't eat anything while it's so wet. Jordan, so close. Straight on. Jordan, yeah. come behind me and hold on to my bag, please. Oh, no. What do you think I'm doing, Nick? Are you holding me? I'm not holding you yet because you can. You're not going to go anywhere now. Really wait, please. Leave that alone, Jordan. Right, Jordan, Nikki, in first, please, guys. Hello, I'm Alex Jones. Thanks for listening to I See What You're Saying. In this series, we're going to be setting the scene on what it means to be blind or partially sighted. And in this episode, we're looking at parenting. I mean, it's tough enough, isn't it, to parent with sight, right? So how do the visually impaired cope? Or, as I'm about to find out, is that an offensive question to ask? Well, I'm joined by Hetal Bapodra, who has two fully sighted children, Nikki, or Nikita, when she's been naughty, who's two and a half, and Jordan, age six. Now, Hetal is a supermum who's been blind since birth. And we've also got Libby Clegg, a Paralympic double champion who has only slight peripheral vision in her left eye and is about to become a supermum herself. Congratulations, Libby. Thank you. Me and you both look, but you're a bit in front of me, aren't <laughs> a you? A little bit. <laughs> Due in March, lovely. Um, now, Hetal, the audio we just heard was you. And, I mean, it sounds like any normal family, really super busy. Yeah. But you seem to have the children very much under control. <laughs> I have a two and, well, a two and a bit-year-old. Um, at the moment and some days I find it utterly impossible to parent. It depends on their mood and my mood and what have you. I mean the first question really is you know how do you cope and is that in itself an offensive question? No I don't I don't think so. Um, I'm I'm happy to talk to anybody about how I do things differently. I think that's it's human nature to ask about something that's different to you. You know I've met parents who are in a wheelchair and I I will happily say to them my goodness I don't know how you how you cope I don't know how you do that talk to me like educate me and I think that's really what the question means yeah and I mean the more people who know and have an understanding <clears throat> the more help there is for you guys I guess you're right just the, the, the more kind of leaving us alone even you know I I want to be left alone to parent as a parent who is blind Mm. um and I you know I don't want assumptions made about me no and as I said you've been blind since birth et al so I suppose you know you're very good at being blind and being a (laughs) mum yeah yeah I'm yeah I you know if people ask me I always say I'm 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 good at being blind I've done that for my whole life I have had to learn however to be a parent like everybody does in the same way getting things wrong you know not doing up nappies properly, you know that all those things have happened to me, just as all those things have happened to all the sighted mums I know. Yeah, absolutely. It's a natural learning curve that yeah. Libby, you've got all of this <laughs> to come. The fun that is and the joy that is parenting, tinged with terrifying at times. And um, what I'd like to ask you both is to give me an idea of um, where you are with your sight, so that the listeners have an understanding, yourselves and your partners, if possible. So Libby, maybe we'll come to you first. Yeah, so I think for me, 
Dan and Dan and I are both registered blind, and we made the decision really that we wanted to have a baby, knowing that we both obviously are blind, and also that there's a possibility that our baby will also have a visual impairment as well. So we we went through lots of sort of different scenarios and situations that we had concerns about and sort of talked through them and had sort of a discussion about how we'd best deal with them really mm. um and was it was it a tough decision to come to you know obviously well i mean i don't know actually <laughs> was it something that you talked about a lot or was it as natural as any other couple would decide to have a baby it was something that we discussed quite a lot actually because um we initially looked at going through ivf and potentially you know not having a visually impaired child um but you know both both Dan and I are both in sport and we're both very successful we're both very independent people and we kind of just felt like we would be able to pass on that positivity to our child whether mm-hmm. they had um an eye condition or not um and obviously both being uh, registered blind ourselves we we kind of just thought we'd be the best people to do it really mm-hmm. um but we did discuss it for quite a long time and then obviously made the decision that actually you know, we, we're both really normal people. We just do things a little bit differently sometimes. And I'm sure you're the same with Hadal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know? you're heading for a very full house, though, aren't you? Because there's yourself, Dan, two dogs. Two dogs, yeah. And then obviously a and baby newborn. On the OK, good luck with that. <laughs> and Hadal, what about yourself then and your situation? So um, I've been blind since birth. I was 16 weeks premature. So um, being born so early it affected my eyes. Um, and I'm super lucky that it's just affected my eyes because I was one pound eight ounces. So um, oh, tiny, teeny, yeah, tiny baby. Um, my husband is also um, visually impaired. I've got light and dark perception, so but nothing useful. And my husband has no sight, so he's one of the four percent of people who are registered blind that actually don't have any sight. Um, and we also have we have two guide dogs. Um, it's two guide dogs, two children. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and is it easier? Or is it more difficult to have partners who are also partially sighted? Do you know, again, it depends on the person, the couple. But I personally think that, yes, it's easier that Will can't see because he understands why I have to do things differently. The boundaries are no different from mummy and daddy. Uh, He is very quick to back me up with our families when they want to do things differently when the kids are at their house mm-hmm. um, and when I when I say do things differently um, my daughter has to wear reins if we're out um, you know she wears reins and we hold hands and that's something that you know I don't I don't really care if the people that she's with can see her to let her run ahead those aren't the boundaries that I want my children to have right now she's not young enough to be safe mm-hmm. so if you don't if you don't want to use reins, then you can't take her out. Right. I get that. But, you know, with a two-year-old myself, it's really impossible. You know, at the nursery, they use reins um, and he refuses to put them on. There's a drama. There's a meltdown every time. And just thinking about how, you know, you deal with that with a two and a half year old and a six year old in tow. I mean, those things are difficult for anybody anyway, (laughs) aren't they? You know, reasoning with a toddler is hard. But what would you say then are the main trials and tribulations of having children as a partially sighted woman oh just being consistent (laughs) just just trying to be as consistent as possible 
the, the I think the biggest issue that I have isn't being a parent who has who is visually impaired. It's the sighted people. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you mean by that? Making assumptions, assuming how we parent isn't the right way to parent, assuming that we can't do that. You know, or, or almost assuming that there's someone sighted at home that we keep in a cupboard that that helps us do things. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I think the thing is, you know, as mums anyway in general, I think we're all judged quite harshly sometimes by each other and by others. So what are the main assumptions that people make that really rile you up at all? Which are the ones that are really (laughs) wrong? Oh, no. Go Um, on, go for it. Um, just really, just that I don't take care of my children, that they take care of me. That's the biggest assumption, that my children are in some way young carers because they have visually impaired parents. You know, I, I mean, really often we get things like that people say to my son, oh, you know, are you guiding your mummy? And my son should be like, I'm not a guide dog. Yeah, that's, that's what my son says. <laughs> that is a very, very good response. But how have you gone? How have you approached it with your children? How have you explained the situation about yourself and Will to the children? So we've never hidden anything. So as soon as they started to ask questions, I say, "Yes, mummy and daddy's eyes are broken, but it doesn't matter." And that's it. And that's and kind of and if they have asked more questions, which my son, as he's getting older, has, we just. You know, how did they break? Well, I, you know, I was born too little. So, you know, and, and daddy's eyes broke. We don't really know why, but that's fine. And, mm. you know, all those sorts of questions. And he's just like, well, should we get a screwdriver, mummy? We can fix, we can fix, daddy can fix anything with a screwdriver. I'm like, I'm just like, oh, oh no. But, yeah. you know, it's fine because we're fine about it. And have you and Dan, Libby, had that conversation about how you will introduce this concept to your baby. I mean, obviously, you don't know whether the baby will be partially sighted himself or herself. I don't know whether you know what you're having. Um, But, you know, or or actually will be fully sighted. But how do you think you'll approach that? Dan and I have discussed it um, quite a bit and we we sort of feel that probably go down the same route as Hatal and just, you know, be really open and honest and you know, let them know from the start, really, that mm. that we have a problem with our eyes. And regardless of whether they can see very well or not themselves, we're just going to sort of deal with it in the same way and, and give them a really positive outlook on it mm. and show it as more as a, you know, more as a positive thing rather than a negative thing mm. um, and not something to be, like, embarrassed or ashamed of. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? It's about normalising and it's just not just normalising for your children, but the children that your children are interacting with. And, you know, lots of kids in... I mean, Jordan's got lots of friends, so we have lots of play dates. And the, the kids just know that there are different rules at Hattel's house. If I want to go and play with Jordan, we have different rules, and that's fine. Mm. Kids are so accepting. If you get them young, they are so accepting. Mm. I love their questions. They yes. do ask most yeah. really things. I love their questions. <laughs> they are very adaptable, yeah. aren't they? And that's the key, I suppose. You know, if you when you've given birth, Libby, you'll know instinctively, I'm sure, what to do. But you know, pregnancy um, for any woman is a period of excitement. Um, 
also it's slightly terrifying because mm. you don't know what's around the corner even with yes. the second one you know I think oh my goodness how am I going to do two et al <laughs> you are like my hero <laughs> over there um, but you know everybody has nerves about different aspects of being a mum and being a parent do you think you're more nervous Libby? Oh, sorry <laughs> I just burped that's alright that's the natural response <laughs> <laughs> it's pregnancy it does weird things to you blame everything Sorry, on being guys. pregnant <laughs> um, uh, wait what's oh wait pregnancy yes yeah, so, so do you think you know obviously every mum is nervous to a point about different aspects of it of course along with a lot of excitement as well but do you think you're more nervous because you're partially sighted and maybe you're trying to get your head around just the practicalities of some of the things like changing nappies like breastfeeding you know all the rest of it getting the child into a car seat I think for me I'm actually not that nervous about it I feel quite well prepared Um, and I don't know whether I'm a little bit too laid back about the whole situation, to be honest. No, I think laid back <laughs> is good. Yeah, I'm pretty chilled about the whole thing. I'm I'm not too nervous. My main concern was other people judging me. Um, and, <sighs> you know, friends actually have been really good and asked questions in a really nice way. There's a couple of times that um, members of my family have made assumptions and asked questions not in the right way and has massively got my back up. Because, you know, for me, this is... For me and Dan, it's a decision that we've made and and it's been thought through. And I find it a little bit offensive sometimes when people question your ability Mm, to parent without actually, you know, not living a day in your shoes, really. Mm. Um, But also when you have a disability or you're a bit different, people feel like they have the right to... You wouldn't go up to a sighted person and say, oh, well, have you thought about how you're going to change a nappy? Well, you say that, but that is exactly what my own mum said to me. And I was like, yes, I have thought about it. (laughs) Mum's asked. Mum's really <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, though. To be fair, you know, Mum was amazing um, at the beginning when we first had Teddy. Um, you know, she was there for sort of the first three weeks, and thank goodness for her because I don't know how we would have done it actually. You know, how much help then do you both have in terms of family? I think for me, I, we we don't have any family support at the moment because we live so far away from them all. Mm. Well, we have the same problem. One set is in Auckland and New Zealand and one set are in Wales. You know, so it's, it's not on the doorstep no. type of stuff. Um, Dan's parents live in Liverpool and uh, my parents live in Scotland. So I'm, I'm currently based in... Um, in the East Midlands, so... I can't help you. <laughs> You'll have to come over and visit yeah, me. Yeah, I can't help you, it's fine. Yeah. But we've got a really good support network of friends, but at the same time, you know, we, we're older, we've like obviously made a very adult decision. Um, we actually requested extra health visits just so we knew we were the best prepared we could be and that if there was going to be any issues that they could potentially bring them up early. But um, for me, that's gone really well and our health visitor knows that we're in a really good position so actually it's kind of like left us alone quite a lot, which has been really nice. Um, also, we did the NCT antenatal. Yeah, we did that. And that was so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and just <clears throat> meet, meeting other mums, which has been which has been great anyway. Um, just get general advice from and like share experience with just like a normal a normal sighted mm. person. And what was their reaction? Did you did you find you know you say that you found the group useful and helpful, but do you feel like you've made a group of good friends from it? Yeah, they, everyone seems really lovely, and like we've we've got like um, a little WhatsApp group where we can share advice and 
um, sort of get help, you know, help from one another and one another and a bit of support. So it's been really, really nice to be honest. Mm. Um, I was saying to Hatal, I've also um, joined the Facebook Blind Mums Connect group, which has been quite helpful um, at times. You know, just just getting advice about like one question I asked, for example, was about baby monitors, um, and it's you know it's just nice getting a, a other people's opinion and. You know, yeah. Especially if they're in the same situation as you. Well, when I came in, you two were talking about which buggies were the best. <laughs> and I guess you're at that stage where you're buying all the equipment. And, you know, you're talking about baby monitors there and which ones to get. But, you know, Hetal is is the best person <laughs> to get advice from. We were, in the, we were in the best possible situation this morning. Um, we're going to take a breather there and we're going to hear another audio clip from Hetal. Um, and then we'll continue. Girls, we might be here for days. This is so interesting. <laughs> So when we had Jordan, we made sure that one room was completely baby-proofed. And I mean completely. We went on our hands and knees and crawled around and tried to pull things off. And, you know, we really made the effort. And when he was, probably until he was about 18 months, we also had a playpen. So that if the doorbell rang, if I needed the loo, or if I wanted to go and get a drink, I could just stick him in there and I didn't have to worry about it. A tidy house is one of the battles that I don't really want to fight. So... I'm, it's really important that we are clean, but do I care if we're messy? No, not really. Um, and if somebody's left a toy and I've tried on it and it's gotten broken, well then they shouldn't have left it on the floor. I did try and keep tidying up, but I found that it was really making me quite stressed and it was affecting my mental health. So you've got to think, you know, do they want a happy mummy with a house that's not tidy or do they want an unhappy mummy with a house that's tidy that people are like, wow, this house is tidy. I'm always a bit suspicious of people that have children who have tidy houses. I'm absolutely with you 100%, Hetal. <laughs> I mean, I think there's more to life and actually your priorities change, don't they? And mm. I went through that phase, you know, of tidying up because you get lots of visitors at the beginning. And actually it does make for quite an unhappy mum. And if we just go right back to the beginning with yourself, Hetal, and for me and for Libby, because you're coming into that period... You know, there's a lot of talk about postnatal depression at the beginning, yeah. which, of course, can affect any one of us. And I struggled with postnatal depression Did you? with my son, yeah. Right, OK. So that was your first, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a very, I mean, as you know then, Hetal, it's, it's a horrible, it's yeah. a horrible, yeah. horrible feeling because you should be feeling this incredible joy and you just feel like everything is so hard yeah and it's never gonna end and you know I hope Libby you don't I don't think I experienced it fully but I remember sort of day three day four after having a baby mm. which they say that's is the baby normal. blues yeah, yeah it's I've the baby that. blues you know and it and it does it does happen and the other thing that I don't know what your thoughts are on things like breastfeeding whether you've thought about whether you will tackle that or whether actually you're going to bottle feed um I tr I try to breastfeed found it worse than the birth I found it really painful um, there were many, that as well. yeah, <laughs> I mean there were many reasons for that in the end so that won't necessarily yeah, happen that. to you um, but, but, but what's your approach because obviously you know these are challenges that are there for every mum on top of the challenge that you're already facing for me I've had a, 
a good thing about this because for, there's other factors that um, will come into it for me as well because I want to go back into training quite quickly after giving birth. <laughs> Hopefully six weeks. That's oh point. my goodness. <laughs> um, She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, like I, I'm gonna try breastfeeding, um, and if it works for me, it works for me, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not gonna put pressure on myself because, like you say, you know, I think your your mental health is more important, mm. um, and you know, you want if you're not happy, your baby's not gonna be happy. So I'm just gonna play it by ear really and see how I get on. I think that's a very very sensible yeah. approach, and I wish actually I would have felt a bit more like that mm. because I did I, put incredible yeah, pressure. Too. Did you, Hatel? Yeah. yeah. So I I. So I, when I was because I was premature, um, I wasn't breastfed, and it was really, really important to me to breastfeed. And I had all these grand plans about breastfeeding, and then I was gonna like sort my supply out, and then I was gonna donate to the local um, neonatal intensive care unit for other babies, because I was given breast milk from donated breast milk from the, the milk bank when I was born. So right. I wanted to give back. Um, he was born, um, and. I couldn't I couldn't breastfeed. He kept pushing me away. He was screaming. It turns out that he actually had a torticollis. Um so it was uncomfortable for him to breastfeed. He would have never been able to do it. it wasn't my fault at all. Um but he also had a tongue tie. Um, yeah, same. So I I couldn't breastfeed. But then with and I think partly that really partly my one of one of my reasons probably for getting postnatal depression, I think. Um, was because it was all quite traumatic for the first three or four weeks because we were des- I was desperately trying, mm. you know, and I kept, and I remember somebody saying to me a, a breastfeeding um, advocate or whatever they called before Jordan was born everybody can breastfeed there's no reason why you can't and I just, that was just in my head. Well, it's incorrect for a start. Yes. I mean, that's not factually yeah. correct anyway, is it? You know, there are many different reasons why it just doesn't yes. happen for yeah. some women, as I found out the hard way four months in. Um, but anyway, we won't get into that. But do you think that your um, baby blues, um, or was it diagnosed to tell as actual postnatal? Yeah. Was it? So I um, probably, I'm really, my husband's amazing. I'm really lucky. Mm. Um, about seven days in. So I, I wanted nothing to do with the baby. Like, I just wanted to lie in bed, and I just wanted nothing to do with him. Didn't want to hold him, didn't want to pick him up, didn't want to change him, just didn't want anything to do with him. And my husband's a very brave man. Because he sort of, he said to me... Oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're pregnant, it's fine. <laughs> and did he did he just literally yeah. take over? No, he, he? he said to me, Hetel, I've made an appointment to see this person as a couple... Because I think there's something wrong. Because this is not who you are. And I'm worried about you. Like, literally, if he cried and I was holding him, I'd try and give him to the next person. Mm. And and I, and I remember saying to my husband about, I think Jordan was about five days old, and I said, I think we've made a terrible mistake. I don't want a baby anymore. Mm. But you know what? It's, it's incredibly normal as well to mm. feel like that in the mm. first, isn't it? You know, and you feel like it's just you at the time. But yeah. actually, like us now having a chat about it and Libby, do not let this freak you out. <laughs> no, absolutely. But, you know, you talk to other mums and even people in your NCT group and you find that actually... It's really common. Yeah, really yeah. common. You know, and it passes and things get better and there's always, you know, it, it gets easier. I mean, and you've probably heard that a million times, but it does get easier. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just wondering, in the early days, the other thing that really stands out, even though I can't 
really remember um, back to the first sort of six weeks. I think um, I it's all a bit of a blur, out. exactly. <laughs> but one of the things mm-hmm. I do remember is the explosive nappies. I mean, poo like you've never seen. <laughs> you know, it's all over everybody. It's in everybody's hair. It's a, <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, this is probably a really naive question, but how are you and Dan, or how did you and your husband tell, how did you, how did you approach that? I mean, how, you know, that is the one thing that you need to be able to see, isn't it? So the one thing that I will say is we probably change nappies a little bit differently. Right. Um, so the first thing that we will do when we get nap when we when we open the nappy is to like clean as much off with it's gonna sound mad, kitchen roll as possible. And I specifically say kitchen roll because toilet roll breaks up, cotton wool leaves fluffies fluffy yes. things that you you know get stuck in their bottoms um kitchen roll gets all the poo off and then you use warm water and kitchen roll again because again cotton wool it just gets everywhere because the problem with not being able to see is if something gets wet then it's wet you can't you can't tell what's clean and what isn't mm. so you want to get as much of the poo off first of all as possible and don't be afraid to get in there you can wash your hands doesn't matter it's poo, like, you know, it's, it's you know, and if, and if sort of, you know, I've been there sort of 10 minutes later and there's still poo everywhere, if, if it's getting to that point, then I just used to run a bath and put him in the bath. Yeah. Have you got your notebook and pen? I have, yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, I mean, it sounds, it sounds mad, but dealing with those huge nappies, and they are, aren't they? They are huge at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, it can be quite shocking that a small person can produce so much. Um, also, but... double nappying we used to do. So if, if he was teething, and mm-hmm. teething is the worst um, in terms of poo, we used to get the size that he wears and then one size up. So he used to put on the size that he wore. If we were going out, if we're at home, yeah. I didn't really need. But, and then a bigger size over the top so it did up further. So he used to catch the poo. Ah, that's a really good... See, everybody, really good I mean, advice. that is a universal tip now there. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna catch on in a big way. And also, envelope vests, they go down the shoulders so you don't have to pull them over the head. If you pull them down then yeah. the poo doesn't get in their hair or yes. above their chest. Yes. And I only learned that with number two. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I, was, I was given that bit of advice already. I've got quite a few of those now just uh, for that for that reason. Yeah, sliding the vest down yeah, is down. a really good one. Yeah. But, I mean, you must have been bombarded, Libby, with advice, as everybody is at the beginning. And it kind of gets annoying, doesn't mm. it? Because you then think, you know what, we're going to do it our own way. We'll find our own way. Um, and, you know, when you're pregnant, very often people are just gearing up to that day of the birth and don't really think past that point. I'm sure you and Dan have because you've had to think about how you will deal with certain you know, situations and circumstances. But what about the birth then? Let's just talk about that for a minute. You know, have you decided... Yeah, and we, does it make a difference that you're partially sighted, or are you just going to go and see how well, it goes? Well, actually, we we um we were initially going to go for a, a normal like hospital birth, and the more I thought about it, the more I didn't want to do it because, um, obviously Dan and I both can't drive, so mm. getting to the hospital is a, a bit of an issue. Um, we'd have to rely on lifts, and then sometimes you can get sent back from the hospital and have to get back home for a little bit of time. Mm. Then I had the thing where, you know, I'd be 
even though I'd obviously be in labour, I'd actually be a bit concerned about Dan finding toilets or somewhere to drink mm, or somewhere to, yeah. you know, rest. Right. And all these things started to, like, crop up. And I'm I'm pretty chilled as a person anyway, like, when it comes to stressful situation so uh, it's one of my one of my qualities <laughs> I am quite calm and I just thought you know what? I'd just rather just do it at home so we, we've now opted to have a home birth we did wow that. yeah really yep. yeah like, it's just I don't have to worry about getting to the hospital Dan knows where everything is in the house you know every where everything I is I know where everything is yep. yeah and and you know you've got two midwives to yourself <laughs> hopefully yeah yeah <laughs> so it's 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 a less stressful environment to be in and and um i don't really want any i'm i just don't really want any pain relief i'm not yeah, that I bothered no yeah and you can hire the pool to your house and stuff so can you we, yeah. we had a water birth with nikki in our living room wow but that must have been incredibly special at the time mm, yeah. stroke messy <laughs> no <laughs> no not at all wasn't it no because like, yeah. it all it all gets contained in the water, mm. um, and the the you get the you have a pump, so you have to pump it out into a into like a bucket in the garden or whatever. I don't know. I was just cuddling my baby. I don't know why. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it seems you know it seems from what you've said, um, Libby, like the perfect solution really yeah because Not- as you say you don't have to you know because the thing is when you're waiting to go into labor you don't know when it's going to happen mm-hmm. as you say how are you going to get there you don't want to be booking taxis um, um that's if a taxi even wants you in there well, there's that. <laughs> they might not feel comfortable with that. And then there's navigating the whole hospital, which yeah. you know is an unfamiliar mm. place to mm. both of you. Mm. Um, so you've spoken to your midwife. Yeah. So and it's all happening. It's all happening. We're definitely, definitely opting for a home birth. And obviously, you can change your mind if you want to go into hospital when you go into labour. That's that's fine. But we we just thought it'd be best for us to stay at home. And then there's just no faff really and if you've got if you're having a normal pregnancy it is just as safe to have a home birth yeah oh yes and and we worked out as well because a few people said about you know obviously emergencies and stuff we worked out we're only 12 minutes away from the hospital and ambulance the, so it's not the that one bad. thing i will say is um in terms of so we were jordan was a fa- i say failed home birth and i shouldn't use that word because he was crowning when i went in when i got in the ambulance there was hair um showing um I was an emergency transfer to hospital and it happened really quickly. But also Mm. the midwives are way more cautious. If they're at all worried, they will transfer you really quickly. Mm. So, you know, like people will. So people try to put me off having a home birth. Oh, if your baby dies. I'm just like, look, this is what I feel comfortable with. You did what you feel comfortable with. Please respect my choices. Mm. And that is the thing. It's about what you want personally. I mean, I opted for a birth centre, mm. which, of course, is no different, really, because you no. haven't, you know, it, it's run by midwives. You haven't got the doctors there. But you can be transferred in an emergency. For us, unfortunately, we did have to be transferred in the end. But I loved the birth centre. And it's the closest thing, I suppose, to a home birth. Very relaxing, mm. very intimate and very, very special. Well, I wish you all the best with that, Libby. Thank you. That's going to be great. <laughs> and looking forward then, um, you know, as the children grow up, you know, lots of people. And I suppose, you know, well, I mean, you know, the joy of having children is is seeing them develop you know, and and watching them. I mean, do you feel, Hetal, that the bond between yourself and the children is different 
Or how would you explain the bond to have, a fully sighted person? I have no idea because I've never had sight. Well, I suppose, yes, that is the point. You know, I love my children and I'll die for them. Mm. You know, if someone said you or them, it would be me, no question. Um, you know, because I don't feel I need to see my babies to know who they are, the people they are, you know, the the, the souls they have in them because they're mine. They grew inside me. I, I, I... In in the same way that you will feel the same joy when you look into your son's eyes, mm. I feel the same joy when my my daughter calls my name or when Jordan jumps on top of me at three o'clock in the morning to get into the bed with us. It's the same, and mm. that you know people really overthink about being able to see something, touch and smell and listening, and 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 feeling are just as strong and even stronger and do you have um an image in your mind of what they look like i mean how does that work well i think the image in my mind is pretty probably quite accurate to what they look like because i feel them i've Daily, washed them yes. and dressed them <laughs> and, and you've grown them in your belly <laughs> yes and i've cleaned up sick and and well i've caught sick you know i've, I've become a sick ninja i can catch sick in my hands <laughs> You didn't really need to know that, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Although I have tasted sick as well, unfortunately. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. That doesn't sink in. I think I have, and worse, and worse. I won't go into it, but yes, I mean, it gets everywhere generally. Libby, parenting is about poo, sick, and we. True. It just boils down to poo, sick, and we. And let's put, you know, let's let's spin this then and look at the other side of it. What advantages do you both think that your position brings to parenting? Because there must be a talent. I mean, you speak so passionately about it. You know, what is it because you actually feel more, you hear more, you know, go on. What What's the upside then in, in your mind about your situation with Will and the children? I think the upside is actually for the kids. I think that they've they're going to grow up learning and understanding that different isn't wrong. Different is different. Different is doing things in another way. Different is tr- finding ways to overcome. I'm giving my children resilience and um non-judgmental thinking. That's what I'm giving them. Hopefully. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree, to be honest. I, mm. uh, that's the way I look at it as well is, you know, we problem solve in our day to day lives yeah. and overcome all kinds of challenges, however sort of big or small they are. And I think, you know, you, you'll be able to pass that on to your child easily. They, they get that opportunity to see that. But also, like, like you say, the non sort of judgmental side of things, you know, they have, they'll have a much more open minded perspective on on sort of life and disability as a whole. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think, yeah, the advantage is, is mostly for, I'd say, the children, really. And this is a really hard question, Libby, and you don't don't have to answer, but I can't guess what the answer would be. So I suppose I'm interested. You know, you don't know because the scans and, and what have you can't tell you, but... How do you feel if your baby was um, visually impaired or or would you prefer the baby to be fully sighted? 
It's for, a tough question. It's a I'm really sure. hard question. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I just want my baby to be healthy, yeah. and even though obviously myself and Dan are both registered blind, we're both healthy people. Very and, healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's things out there that are much much worse than being visually impaired or registered mm-hmm. blind, and I kind of think you know. I, I know what I'd be dealing with and I just think you know it's just one of those things like life happens you know in an ideal world I would like my baby to be fully sighted but at the same time you know it, it won't make me feel any different about them and no. I would never treat them any differently than you know being a sighted sighted no. child so yeah it's, it's a really hard one but obviously I, I want them to be just be healthy yeah that's the most important thing and I think me. that you know that's universal to any parent mm. isn't it all you want for your children is for them to be the healthiest they can be um ladies thank you so much thank for, you for, for, thank for you. just the chat this morning it's been a huge insight for me and I hope for everybody who will listen to this podcast Libby good luck thank you on the arrival of the new <laughs> baby in March and look you've made a mate who's going to be your support yes, definitely. system <laughs> um thank you both thank, thank you, you. If you've enjoyed this, find out more and subscribe to Guide Dog's new podcast series, I See What You're Saying. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to I See What You're Saying by Guide Dogs.